thought that I was going to you know, get back into training martial arts. And actually, I, I found a, a space that's using you know, combatives as a way of exploring this much broader and deeper range of human experience. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema, and this is Sistema for Life. Taryn, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Glenn. Good to be nice here, to have man. you on here. I, uh, it's as we were just saying in the preamble there. I said, it seems weird to me that I didn't manage to get you on the podcast yet, since we've known each other and we we talk a lot about deep things all the time. Um, it, it seems weird that you've not been on it before. I'm very glad you managed to make the time today. Yeah, man. I'm so happy that it, it's worked out that we can chat today, do a little yarning. Groovy, absolutely. So, can you tell folks a little bit about um, yourself? Uh, what do you do? For a living, where how do you like to spend your time? Uh, turn-ons, major turn. No, you can leave those; they're fine. Um, <laughs> and, I'm a Virgo, uh, and, uh, I like your... bubble baths and full <laughs> beads. Uh, so <laughs> I'm a, I'm 48. I'm a single dad who homeschools his daughter, and I do that half the week. Mm-hmm. Um, she's with me Sunday through Wednesday, and. Uh, my professional life these days is that I practice classical Chinese medicine um, and primarily do that in private practice, though I am at Duke Integrative Medicine one afternoon a week. Yep. And in terms of how I like to spend my time, um, I do a fair amount of Taoist longevity cultivation practice, contemplative mm-hmm. practice. Um, I do a lot of reading in a variety of subjects and topics i um i have a podcast called the apricot jam with my fellow classical chinese medicine brother lucas wolf um so we like to talk to interesting people about interesting stuff yeah i've been enjoying that it's very cool it's uh i'll I'll link to that one there's been some really some really cool meandering conversations on that (laughs) definitely meandering that's kind of our jam we just are really looking to have a space where where folks can kind of riff on ideas. We like to think of it as conversational jazz. So it's yeah. uh, it's loose, and sometimes the folks we bring on and talk about the things that they're known for, and sometimes we just kind of you know go where the changes take us, and it it can end up in some interesting spaces. So it's a definitely. lot of so it's definitely one of those things where um you know during the pandemic, as I was having some uh more space to do a little more research and thinking because Mm. for a while there was no professional work at all Mm. um i was getting back into listening to and reading more sort of philosophical and theoretical ideas and and um kind of conversations and Mm. texts and um one of the things that i kept noticing is that there so in that, there were like a lot of conversations that were interdisciplinary, transdisciplinary conversations. And one thing that I really didn't see, and that's not to say that it's not out there, but um, mm. I was looking pretty broadly, was that Chinese medicine was not really part of that inquiry and that discourse, which I found interesting because I have really always thought of classical Chinese medicine, at least, which will um, distinguish from TCM hmm. uh, as different kinds of ways of inquiring and, and ways of engaging. But as, as like one of the earliest expressions that we, of what we would now call complexity science or sort of systems thinking. Yeah. And so it really struck me as like odd that nobody was 
saying that because I don't think that's like a particularly unique or deep insight on my part. It just seems kind of readily apparent if you yeah. study the material. Um, maybe it's, it's maybe it's personalities that not always the people who yeah. study deeply into traditional Chinese medicine that are also the kind of people who like to you know put themselves in the spotlight and host a podcast and talk to people about things way beyond Chinese medicines. Like maybe they just like to train within the within the field, talk within the field, and that's pretty much it. Totally, and I, I mean, and but you still. I still thought like maybe somebody other than Lonnie yeah. Jarrett might be having some of these conversations. Yeah. Um, and Lonnie Jarrett's like, you know, in with the integral crowd and has a, you know, he's like a five element guy. So that's the Worsley school. That's also a different kind of way of looking at things. Um, okay. But, so so yeah, just, just to kind of, um, just to give people a little bit, um, cause a lot of people who might not be in this space of it, you know, the, the, the meta thinking, the, you know, right. people doing integral theory and all kinds of different kind of threads that you pull together into your learning and, and the ways that you like to converse. Right. Yeah. Like, what, what kind of pulls you for, for the benefit of people listening to this who come from a Systema background and they're listening sure. to that? Like, what's your experience and your connection to Systema and how did that begin as well? Mm, absolutely. So I, my daughter is 11, and right after she was born, I noticed that um, I was feeling considerably more aggressive uh, mm. in certain contexts than I was accustomed to feeling. Like in a protective way? Yeah, exactly, in a protective way. There's a, there's a phenomenon for folks that have kids, you probably know this, where like you have a new baby um, or a newish baby because she wasn't really out in public for the first four months of her life but when mm. i started taking her places with me people that i didn't know would come up and try to lay hands on my kid right who's still an infant it's a weird thing right so it's, it's a weird thing. There's, there's no other place in life i mean i think it even starts before that for the women they're, they're like oh hey that's beautiful and they try to start touching your bump and stuff it's like wait yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. we don't all just fondle each other's midriffs all day long like why is it because i'm pregnant and extra fragile that you think it's cool to do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, yeah, and like, it's a and, weird thing that happens. It's I mean, like, you know, I'm going to come put my hands on your kid's head. I'm like, yeah. both as somebody who comes from a, a spiritual background where the crown is something that, you know, you don't necessarily just let anybody handle. Um, oh, especially no, you for, do that in Thailand. Did you get shin kicked in the throat? You know, totally. <laughs> don't touch anybody on the head. And as somebody who, you know, like does a fair amount of cranial work you know i mean like whatever like it's not gonna my kid's not gonna get hurt but still it's like extra weird i have several layers of like i don't know about all this like people getting in this space so i was feeling i was feeling pretty provoked and reactive around that and it struck me as something that wasn't particularly useful or adaptive even though you know i could understand from an evolutionary perspective that yeah. probably i should want to protect my child being reactive doesn't really protect anybody from anything. And it occurred to me that I probably should start studying martial arts again um, as a way. So you, of, say, so you say again. So you had a, like a, yeah, a background other stuff beforehand. I did. So as a kid, I studied, you know, sort of a, a fairly common cocktail of martial arts. I studied Wing Chun. I studied some Muay Thai. I studied a little Silat. Um, in my early 20s, I studied a system called Lama Pai, the myth of which was that, you know, these Tibetan lamas had wandered into southern China and taught this style. And it was this kind of like long, short, sort of internal, external hybrid style. I want to be really clear. I was never a very competent martial artist. Mm. Um, you know, like I trained in a variety of things. And mostly I did that 
because it was fun, because I was interested in movement. I was primarily a dancer and a physical theater person. Yeah. And so martial inquiry was just like another way of, of exploring movement in general. Yeah. Um, sure. So when I say, you know, again, that's kind of what, what I mean. Um, okay. you know, and with a different emphasis this time, like with some sort of urgency or something. Yeah. yeah. It, so. Definitely. And, you know, I had also, as part of my Chinese medical training <clears throat> at Zhengdao School of Classical Chinese Medicine, Tai Chi is part of the curriculum. So, you know, I had been exploring some internal martial arts and studied some Chen style stuff because we were doing like a um, That's Chen, tai Chi, right? Chen style yeah. Tai Chi. Yeah. yeah. So th at school, it was actually more like Chen Man Ching's form, which mm. was interesting, but I didn't really like. I didn't love movement wise. And so that's why I explored Chen for a while, because in terms of the the movement vocabulary, it was it was more interesting to me. Hmm. Um, so all of that is like the preamble to say that there's some context of movement exploration and dance and, hmm. you know, martial practice to some degree, um, but okay. not like high level proficiency. And so it it occurred to me that um, if I we're in a space where I was working on developing a greater level of competence, competency combatively. Hmm. Somehow that would be beneficial in down-regulating my reactivity. Hmm. Um, I didn't really have any, at the time, rationale. That was just my intuitive sense. So Yeah, well, you're definitely uh, intuitive the right place to come. Because it's not right. <laughs> That's exactly what we did. Right, because I, I reached out to Scott Sonnen, whose work I had been tracking for a long time at that point, and I was like, hey here's where I'm at and here's what I want. Do you have any recommendations for styles of martial arts to explore? And he had two, which I think Sistema folks will think is hysterical. Probably Krav Maga was the one mm. and Sistema was the other. Mm. And I looked at Krav Maga and I was like, that's exactly the opposite of what I'm interested in. Mm. Um, and, you know, I had some awareness of Sistema from like YouTube rabbit mm. holes. Um, but the first time I looked into it, there had only been a, like a club training group and it sort of, I don't know, just the online presence had seemed a little flaky, sure. but when I revisited it, I found you guys when you were at Scott's place out in, uh, Clayton. Yeah. yeah. And so just was like, all right, this is a long commute, but this feels like the right thing to do. So I started training, um, mm. and it turned out that it really was the right thing to do. Um, because, I mean, I don't need to explain to anybody who's listening to this podcast the mm. benefits of Sistema, but certainly, um, you know, I was, at the time I had done a lot of, a variety of different types of pretty deep spiritual practices mm. um, and a lot of movement, but, you know, I came from a background that was pretty chaotic and disruptive in terms of my upbringing and so there was a fairly high level of um fear and reactivity just kind of embedded in my system that i had never really found anything that i yeah. felt like successfully helped to address and sistema was a really powerful way of starting to shift some mm. of things on a, on a very deep level did, um, did you have a sense that that's what you would have to do when you first started training in order to get that initial result that you wanted, which was to make yourself less reactive and, you know, deal with this protective angry instinct in a way that was constructive, right? Did, did you uh, did you know that you'd have to address all those, 
you know, traumas that have, where the body kept the score in order to get there? Or was that something yes. you kind of arrived at when you, when you started no, training? No, that I knew. And in some respects, had, it had been a, a conscious and proactive project for almost as long as I can remember insofar mm. as my early memories were of an awareness that what was going on in, in my family and immediate community while it was the only thing I knew as reality, it's still like something seemed fundamentally disharmonious about it and that I would have to find ways to somehow shift my own relationship to experience and the world if I were not going to be like all the the sort of examples I had of what it meant to be a human, which I didn't find particularly satisfying. I mean, not to say that I didn't have anyone that I encountered that that yeah. you know wasn't like that but the you know my family of origin and sort of like my broader extended family there mm. you know, they were lovely lovely people doing their best and not particularly healthy um yeah. on a psycho spiritual level so like that was uh a catalyst and a provocation from yeah. very early on to try to find ways um through a variety of different kinds of explorations of you know not ending up like that because it, it looked like a pretty miserable way to go through life. Yeah. So I was aware of that and I was yeah. working on that. And there were ways where like, while I kept finding um, modes of inquiry and practice that seemed to get at deeper layers, there were still some ways where like, it just was not quite getting at it. Not quite um, getting there. Yeah. Le leave some it. deep stuff still in there quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, that's interesting because, like, uh, some people come to Sistema and, you know, they want the the surface. They've seen what the surface of it is and, and the idea of what, what it could do if you move your body this way, right? Even if you're quite body aware, right? Yeah. And, and you, you know, you have a good background in dance or other martial arts or things that give you the proprioception you need and the, the balance and the timing to understand on a kinesthetic level kind of what's going on biomechanically. But when you start introducing them to this idea, it's just like, well, that will get you so far. But if you really want to understand how to how to function in a conflict, any kind of conflict, you're going to have to take a very, very deep look at yourself and what's yeah. going on on the inside. And actually, that's really where it starts, like from the very first minute somebody touches you or even when somebody approaches proxemically, right? Mm -hmm. That if you're not acknowledging and understanding the origins of your fear, of your tension, of these things that come out, then that just multiplies and goes downstream from every, you know, as soon as somebody gets a grip, it goes up another level. As soon as somebody controls your balance, it goes up another level. Yeah. And no amount of shouting at yourself to relax or move well or breathe is actually right. going to help you if you ignore that deeper layer. But in a sense, you've been doing that for a while, right? So you came in and when where some people resist that, I find, you know, like, no, no, go deeper, go deeper, relax. Really, where's this coming from? Why are you angry? What's going on? But some people are like, well, this is some hokey woo woo bullshit. You know, in, in some way you're like, oh yeah, I know this. You know, you sure. came in, but it, I got that impression. You were like, I get I get what this is. You know, that like you were not resistant to that at all. You were like, I get how this would, you know, help. You know, yeah, it was immediately apparent to me that I had I had discovered something truly profound, like from mm -hmm. quite literally the first instance. And I think the first class that I did was with scott but like he just you know old school style took us through breath stretching and you know walking and breath stretching and some groundwork and a little bit of striking you know it was a very simple kind of like intro class um, not to say that the simple is not elegant and powerful and probably useful all the time if we want to return to it but still like i was like oh my god yeah. this is truly a, a brilliant system that i just kind of like 
I thought that I was going to, you know, get back into training martial arts. And actually I've, I've found a, a space that's using, you know, combatives as a way of exploring this much broader and deeper range of human experience. Like that thing that beautifully put, yeah, that you used to quote, I don't know if you still quote this a lot, but like when Vlad was like, Sistema, it just happens to be martial art. Yeah. It was like <laughs> exactly. one of my favorite Vlad quotes ever, because I feel like that's just so spot on in its simplicity. Yeah. Yeah, and at the same time, I, the other quote as well, I think it was uh, Maxime Franz at some time, he goes, good thing about Sistema, this is so huge. Bad thing about Sistema, this is so huge. You know, it's like, <laughs> there's, there's never really an end on it, and it's hard to totally. get a bite on it sometimes, and you're not, yeah. you know, not sure if you're looking under the right rocks, and you have to really check in with people often to make sure that you're on, the, you know, you, you, you're not deluding yourself, and you're not kind of going down the rabbit hole. Or even sometimes you discover a truth, and you just follow it too far, and you think that that that's the truth to be had in exclusion of the other things that it's in relationship to. Do you know what I mean? Even if you find something that's correct, I, you can really make yourself go down a bad place if you just think that's all that matters. You know, it really well, can't. I mean, I would say that what you've just expressed is like uh, one of the most important things that we can probably touch on as we link this kind of training to um, broader philosophical and spiritual and social concerns, right? I think that this this tendency of humans to grasp onto something, yeah. uh, either out of fear or out of, you know, just like, it's so beautiful, I just want to go to the thing. Yeah. But there's a, a, a kind of narrowing of focus, which on the one hand is really important. We do want to be able to direct our attention to a specific thing to make a deep study of it. But we also need to be in relationship to a broader field. And so, you know, the ability to, with um, some amount of clarity and facility, be in a dynamic relationship between the focus and the field, I yeah. think it's a really important skill to develop um, so that we don't end up going, believing that the rabbit hole that we're going down is somehow ultimate truth yeah and thereby more important more useful more whatever than you know the way that things are all interdependently interconnected not to get too out there too fast but you know how it goes yeah no absolutely i mean and it's people express that in different ways you know i recently went through Ken, a bunch of ken wilber's work and on integral theory and things like that and yeah. you know his emphasis is on this idea of nested holons right the, mm -hmm. the, there are there are spaces um of things uh, that things occupy in terms of the states that they're in in terms of the levels of development that people go through in order to be there whether they're kind of primal whether they're kind of mythical whether they're in in reaction to logic and science and reason whatever they're going to be but within those larger um landscapes uh, you can like russian dolls kind of nest one mm -hmm. inside the other and you can say okay everything is at least a little bit true right mm -hmm. so there, there's some truth in almost every even some abhorrent belief even some terrible sure. fascist bullshit that you, you hate right it's it, it it wouldn't stick at all to people uh, it wouldn't snag anybody at all right if it didn't right. kind of nag at some one right. tiny little kernel of truth and then unfortunately you know people can twist that and then spin yeah. it any way they want and then people cling to that tiny little bit of truth and then they'll accept everything that goes along with it right and you right. see this in you know subversive belief systems you see it in subversive political systems in subversive religions all kinds of places right but but that's the that's the problem in the question isn't it it's like this idea of um 
not latching on to one truth that you find and then becoming fanatical about it and assuming that everything that comes along as baggage is also true. You know, that's, right. <laughs> that tends to be a thing. But the the thing that struck me about Ken Wilber's work, though, is, is that then it's difficult then to decide what's true about your removed viewpoint right if, if you're still the one making the decisions as to which part of that whole on are true then you know yeah. there's still room there for you to be you know kind of superior and looking down on other people's ways of thinking and like oh yeah that's primitive and this, this is, mythical. is I'm, exactly I'm my critique of wilbur's work is, is what it? you're saying right yeah i've always like i've always appreciated ken and found um i mean i don't know him personally right so like i i don't find him in any way but found his work to have this sense especially um with relationship to what he considers primitive that it's like it's yes the ideas transcend and include but these other ways of knowing are less than um mm. and that they're you know like if we're talking about indigenous knowledge systems they've often i felt like in the integral world gotten a robustly bad rap sure um and that there's definitely a you know, if I'm going to make a model, then no matter what, I have filters that are going to impact that that model and its construction. And so I have a certain subjective experience that the easy part of parsing for that is what I'm aware of in mm. terms of my own biases, right? The known knowns um, mm. and the known unknowns are maybe even not that hard to work with but there's like an unknown unknown aspect mm. of that filtration which is like it's so deeply um part of my subjective orientation that mm. i can think that it is a truth mm. right that is much broader and deeper because it's just like it's just obvious mm. right? it's obvious that things are like this yeah um and so you know, I, I, I feel like, I mean, we don't need to get into a meta critique of, of integral models because there's thousands of hours of people doing that and they'll do it much better than I can. But sure. I, I do think that, um, you know, Ken's got a particular point of view that for me sometimes feels like the boundary sets are much more rigid and consequently brittle than the way that I and here's my subjective, you know, lean, like I experience things and that the, you know, there's kind of a more Buddhist rather than Taoist flavor to what. Yes, sorry. Um, <laughs> there's a more Buddhist rather than Taoist flavor to what's going on. And so like if you think about the quadrants right there's this kind of like hard edge hmm. to the aqual diagram where so, I'm like, so, so because i'm just i'm aware that a lot of people might be listening to this and have no clue what we're talking about when we say quadrants yeah. and so not to want to go like down a rabbit hole but the basic idea is considering things from different points of view is the first thing that you do right and he yeah. has this quadrant in which you consider things from the first person singular like here's how it feels and looks and experiences to me and then the kind of first person plural in a sense like here's how it is to us like uh, kind of the sense and then 
varying degrees of kind of objectivity so objective singular kind of thing that's the thing that's how it is right mm -hmm. and then objective plurality which is like this is how the culture is this is how right. it kind of fits in with everything that way and the idea being that if at the very least you stop to consider everything you're thinking about from those four quadrants you'll right. probably get more angles on it and whether or not it brings you to like incredible new insights on things and you're more correct than you were it will probably at least make you more open to other people's ways of knowing and truth and so mm -hmm. that's that's where it started from and i really like that idea because i think we all need that a little bit right now right Agreed. It's, it's, you know the internet and just kind of the algorithms driving us towards outrage and division are pushing us the other way they're like they're, they're trying to get us to tribalize not actually it's not even you know it's what uh, tyson might call uh, you know a self-organizing you know mm -hmm. system in the sense is that it's just algorithms that are not really programmed by anybody feeding on themselves and then siloing us in various ways so that we, our tendency is not to want to see things from other people's point of view it's to just kind of defend and circle the wagons and listen to people who think like us whether we're martial artists in a certain style or we're democrats or republicans or do you know whatever it is yeah. right we're, or whether you're like pro-palestine or pro-israel you know you just go into your camp and you will not come out and you just listen to things that you want right and, and work that way but so i like this idea of like this is encourages you to take a second to try and look at even like a crazy fascist point of view and see what you can about what's true to it at least from them do you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. um, so, so that's one, that's one aspect. But then again, where it goes into trouble, I think, is like taking it from there and then looking at people as if they're at different states of development, right. and then making a value judgment as to whether or not your state of development is higher than theirs. Like I'm right. turquoise and you're red, and you know, as, as <laughs> that, if, that's akin to black belts and red belts to me. Sure. <laughs> and you know, it's it's funny because built into the model, right, is this idea that there's different levels and lines of development so like you could be very developed um on a kinesthetic line of intelligence and maybe very developed on an emotional line of intelligence but maybe not cognitively like super sharp maybe that's not like your jam so given that that's built in the idea that somehow you can take an average of all those things and decide that somebody is this or that hmm. right like turquoise or orange or whatever i think is it's a funny thing yeah. that is that gets conflated in there yeah another way to think about the quadrants right is that you have interior and exterior and singular and plural mm. right i don't know if that makes it yeah. easier uh, sure. perhaps for some people that are listening mm. um but again so like if we think about it just a four by four grid mm. right or a two by two grid rather so i've got you know singular and plural in my upper left and upper right hmm. i might be getting this wrong but and then like interior and exterior in my sure. lower left and lower right and so one of the ideas in this quadrants model is that you can kind of like in addition to making sure you're looking at all the four quadrants you sort hmm. of like are, are figuring out what constellation of those factors are at play at any given moment yeah. also super cool but hmm. you know what i feel like gets left out of that and and why i brought it up is that those firm boundaries mm. are not actually so firm. Sure. They're right? fluid. Like, because this, this where, blurry. exactly, like, where do I really end? Yeah. You know, I mean, certainly I have this perception, maybe, mm. from a certain point of view that I end at my skin, but we actually know that that's not accurate, really, on any level, right? It sure. might seem that way from a certain perspective, but 
you know, I'm off gassing. I have an electromagnetic field. I'm like, you know, there's things coming in and coming out. There's like all of these observable phenomena. Consciousness is a projection of the world around you, you know, exactly. And in relationship to it. You're not necessarily outside. They're all inside you too. And they're getting into, you know, I don't have a head, you know. Yeah, exactly. All of of those things. Totally. Yeah, exactly. You know, if we create this schematic and we make it like these kind of like rigid lines then i think and if you have you know if you listen to our podcast you'll hear me talk about this all the time maybe the point where it gets annoying but it's a similar one of these um deeply entrenched challenges of exploration just like the subject object relationship that's embedded in indo-european languages where we like we set up this there are things and there are forces acting upon them and they're separate Hmm. you know um kind of like base code for our relationship to reality and then we operate as if that's true now it certainly is true from that perspective but there Hmm. are other (laughs) languages that don't do that yeah right there are other ways of looking at the world whether they're pre or post-linguistic that don't resonate with that that are also contingently true right it's not like go ahead yeah, so, so let's, let's make this a bit more concrete, right? So um, I just want to give like one example of looking at something through these quadrants. I didn't want to sure. wasn't necessarily looking to go into like Ken Wilber's integral theory and then criticizing it. That's not my view either. But just to make this really concrete and then just to talk about where the fluidity is, because I think there's a parallel to be drawn here in the way that people look at Sistema as like, like a martial art and also the way that people look at Chinese medicine in the in the wider context of health practices that they could choose or work with. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because I think one of the one of the similarities, so some of the commonalities between Sistema as a way of thinking and traditional Chinese medicine, for example, are that we both um, we both base them on our relationship to others. It's not like you're doing a thing and then you do it at somebody, right? Most a lot of martial arts are like I'm, you know, learn your posture, learn your strikes, hit a bag for a really long time, become a very fast, very strong, punchy, kicky, grappling machine, and mm-hmm. then you can do things to people, right? Like, and it doesn't really totally. matter who they are, right? And then there's some more that get a bit more evolved, you know, BJJ and wrestling and things like that, where like, okay, he's a thinking, breathing thing too. He's going to adapt, so you have to learn to adapt to what he's doing. But it's still like I'm over here and I want to do things to him and get a result. So there's a subject and then an object is the other person, yeah. and it's still there. And Sistema. I, I think is very interesting in what it does in blurring the lines between those and it starts to look at interacting pairs of people as a system and mm-hmm. so it's not me with my skill doing things to you and the same thing is true in chinese medicine in my experience of it it's like when you're receiving acupuncture or twin now or whatever it's going to be it's not that i'm just lying there and you're doing it to me like it's like i'm actually a part of the process in some do you know what I mean? And there's the relationship yeah. between the two of us. Like there's a yeah. give and a take the whole time. And um, between you have to be involved, otherwise it doesn't quite come together. You know, it's right. like it's a, and, mm. and it's not just between you and I if we're working together, it's also between us and the, the wider world, the environment. Sure. You know, and that environment like goes out and out depending on how deeply you want to look into the medicine in terms of Yeah. And 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 yeah, and system is the same thing as you get to the higher levels of it. It's like if you just focus on you and the other person and you lose the rest of the room and the other people in it and the other, you know, you actually, it's very, very difficult to not become then 
influenced to such a high degree by the other person and what they're doing that it just turns back into conflict again it's like you're actually fighting constantly to try and come back to like oh no let's make this harmonious and you can't because you're just locked into this idea of like it's me and it's you even looking at somebody's eyes for too long will do that mm -hmm. but you'd be controlled by looking at them in the eyes for too long um so this this distributed consciousness and this ability to feel the room around you and mm -hmm. the people around you to keep that while you're working, fighting, doing things, right? It's a it's a very unique and interesting thing. And I think that's a parallel between the two. And also th there's the kind of a, a burden of proof thing that's laid upon both Sistema and Chinese medicine, which seems to, on the face of it, it's like, okay, everything in martial arts is now weighed upon, okay, show me the guy in the UFC or the cage that's doing that and how good is he and how many belts. He, do you know I mean that sort of thing? And, in, and in, in medicine, it's like, show me the double-blind control study where they did one thing and they came out with this one outcome and then they did that to a thousand people who were all the same. And it's like both of those things neglect a key aspect, which is that you're making deep, deep assumptions about yes. what the outcome should be and why you're doing them and where they're coming through, right? So it's right. like, so sometimes I think Chinese medicine and some other like um, what's called like ancillary or alternative medicine, you know, anything that's not drugs and mm -hmm. <laughs> basically is, and is surgery medicine now. Basically, it seems that way. Drugs yeah. or surgery, basically, right? Everything other than that is alternative medicine for some reason. Um, and what's you know, everything is viewed through that window of just like this has to be an objective thing that works on a thousand random people and works in this way and blinds them out and ignores the placebo effect and all these things. Right. Is, and when it doesn't come up to the standard because there was no kind of relationship or there, it wasn't built in the same way, or it wasn't in the context to what's happening to all these people, then the results can be fuzzy. And they're like, oh, it worked 50% of the time and it worked 50. It's not enough to right. be statistically significant. Therefore we're going to say that it's not an effective medicine. Whereas like you give, X milligrams of a drug to somebody, it's always going to have this effect and a bunch of side effects. And then they're like, okay, good enough for us. Let's market this and, and make but this that, work. Even that is fascinating, right? Because when you look at the, you know, the warning labels on drugs, they don't just have the set of effects or even yeah. the same set of side effects. They have a really Results broad range of effects, <laughs> including they may kill you, you know, yeah. or they may like, you may get a crazy rash, but yeah. really this is an antihistamine. So you shouldn't be dead or get a rash, sure. but it does happen in a small percentage of people. So yeah. In some respects, even when you enter into this world where we uh, we we will give credence in this frame to like that a double blind study is going to tell us something. It certainly tells us something. It tells yeah. us what happens in a double blind study is really yeah. what it tells us. It'll tell you everything, though. It, right. And but I mean, it does. It it tells us that if we do all these things like this, here are all the things that can happen. Mm -hmm. And right there's still a really broad range of things that can happen within that context. And then we select for the ones that are relevant to what it is that we want to present. Yep. The thing I think about both Sistema and Chinese medicine that um, is so hard from that orientation is that we sort of really take it seriously, like the Heisenberg uncertainty principle and, and the notion that like you can't extricate yourself from a system. There is no objective view there's no way to look at reality from you know the god view like mm -hmm. all we can ever say about anything is the experience that we're having mm -hmm. so even if i do this double blind study i'm not describing reality i'm describing my experience of reality so i'm describing my experience of designing and observing this study yeah right yeah. so that 
gap, that blind it's a subset. Side. It's already a subset. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and the, the same thing is true. Is like, so in a way, like, you know, what works in UFC and stuff like that, it's like, it's not not true, right? It's like, again, it's a subset of reality. If you put people in all these conditions and give them these rules and these power sets, the things that work in there will work. Absolutely. Typically, like in those conditions, right? And But yeah. then when you take it outside, you're like, okay, they would probably still work in a lot of other contexts. And in some contexts, they will not work. And the things that you're looking at when you look at systemic training from the outside, if you say that's rubbish because it's not, you don't see it in the octagon or right. you don't see it thing, then you're like, in the same way saying, oh, that herb is rubbish because you don't see it in double blind studies that have done their way across, right? So it's like, well, it depends the context. It depends when you've used it. It depends what it's for. Like if the, goal is, Uf- on... if the goal is to win a UFC tournament, you should probably right. learn how to kickbox, how to grapple, how to sure. do all the things that you can do that work within that framework because they're proven to work, right? right. And and if you want to clear a specific bacterium and you have a, uh, an antibiotic that you know works really, really well and you're aware of the side effects, then that's probably the way to go. But like if you have a wider problem, and I think this is the interesting thing, is that both Chinese medicine and Sistema seek to address wider states for me. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like the it's not just you have one infection with one bacterium or one thing's going on. It's like and when we get into the complexity of either medicine or combat, you're looking at extraordinarily complex interdependent systems right mm-hmm. even within the body you, you know they're getting a much more of an a, appreciation of the role of the microbiome you know only 10 percent of your body is bloody human so you mm-hmm. should probably think about what the 90 percent is doing and how right. you're feeding it and right. what it's consisting of and, and we're getting more of appreciation than that with mrna medicine now people are like wow this can have enormous effect and you're like yeah because there's a whole transcriptome there and there's a whole bunch of things that you haven't considered between your innate inherited genes right. and the effects that those genes have right there's right. so much to tweak in there and so much going on so there's an appreciation for that. And I, and I think some, sometimes these confluences and these reemergences that you see and and this movement towards, OK, let's look again at some alternative medicines and see what they might have discovered or intuited. Right. Not through the lens of science, but they intuited some kind of wider truth about how uh, food interacts with our body. Right. And it might be along a different kind of metaphorical system, the way it's expressed. But in some ways, they're actually describing kind of cycles of the microbiome and things that you can feed and things that you can destroy right and and it might be caged in different metaphors but that doesn't mean it's not extraordinarily useful and that if we haven't isolated one tiny thing and proved it in a double blind study that it doesn't exist you know it's like and and typically another thing that i find in common is is that often people come to systema or to chinese medicine when they're done trying everything else they've tried other things and they're like yeah i tried that and it didn't work like i did years of karate and stuff and i still got mugged and stabbed right right? you know, I did years of jujitsu and somebody still stabbed me. Well, and then I, I need something else. I mean, I'm prepared to believe this might work because I tried other stuff. And it's the same yeah. thing with Chinese medicine. Like Gabe talks about that a lot. Our, you know, our mutual friend. It's mm-hmm. like people tend to come to him when they've been through the Western medical system and they've been told they've got no hope and nothing else is happening. And right. that's that's when they arrive at his door a lot of the time, which is a shame because there's so much more that both Chinese medicine and Systema could offer people if they if they took it as a preemptive instead of like a cure-all. You know? it's yes. Like, yeah. Yes. But anyway, that's some of just the surface parallels. But like, I think that the larger point um, that I led us away from, my bad, is that actually okay. all of that based upon a series of kind of uh, very strong and very questionable assumptions about the subject and the object, right? That, that, that we're actually setting up this idea that all of these things are happening in isolation, either right. just within me, between me and one drug, or between me and another person, right? But you you can't discount the the role of the entire relationship to the environment and the place that you're in. 
at all in any of this right so and you might argue about how strong those effects are and maybe like scientific studies or the octagon look to try and remove those with a, with a view to try and find out which are the strongest elements and which are the most influential but as soon as you start to cut the system out and analyze it in a in a small kind of chopped out way then you're already removing context and understanding from what it is that you're doing and you're running the risk of deluding yourself and going down that hole well, you what know, you're uh, doing on another level is you're creating a new context and environment that will have its own influence, right? So mm -hmm. in an effort to like, oh, but this is what tells us what's really happening. It's like, yeah. no, this is what tells us what's happening within this boundary set now. So yeah. we've just created, you know, maybe a less organic, a more sterile, mm -hmm. you know, context and environment, but it's still a context and environment and it's still influencing what's going on. Sure. But it's as if, right, again, it becomes when we were talking a little bit about that sort of the subjective bias that's so inherent that we can't perceive it, yeah. right? Makes it an unknown unknown. From yeah. my point of view, like those kinds of studies, right? It's like, well, okay, but how does the study design in a way, not the way that you hope that it influences what's going on, but in a way that you can't see that mm. it's influencing what's going on because it's so transparent because it's based in a set of assumptions that are real, quote. Mm and true quote because mm -hmm. they are at least within a you know certain kind of materialist physicalist orientation it's like the only thing that's real and true is stuff that we can quantify yeah. right it's like it's certainly a thing that is real and true mm -hmm. right but there's way more mm -hmm. to experience than just things that can be measured in a particular way yeah right okay so, so let's um again yeah. just to just to drill into this a little bit so in your experience, um, training Sistema, you know, mm -hmm. um, on and off for a good number of years now, right? And um, and continuing to learn about Chinese medicine. You didn't just learn some Chinese medicine then stop, right? You're constantly no, yeah, retraining, like recontextualizing, putting it in with other contexts and things like that. Like, um, obviously, we've already identified a lot of ways in which they're very similar. There's this emphasis on relationship. There's this emphasis on the adaptation. Um, the sense emphasis, even uh, the high, highest levels of relationship to place and relationship to the environment like the whole time and leaving all of that open um but there's also kind of in in systema it's um by the founders at least uh, and and the system under which we train kind of the, there's an additional element of just like ultimately what your connection realizes is, is that you're quite small and there's a connection to a wider thing which is god right and from the russian orthodox tradition that's the that's the end point it's realizing that you know we're very small we don't have as much influence as we think we're connected to each other yes but ultimately the only real connection that matters like by that philosophy is is what we're doing under the umbrella of of creation mm. from, from that viewpoint and there it kind of diverges a little bit from chinese medicine and not a little bit because it's um with chinese medicine it's, it's more akin to like okay understanding how the universe is put together and how the how it's connected to the Tao and the, and just the, mm -hmm. the way of being where it is and and a lot of people might argue that that's saying the same thing and even Ken Wilber might be like these are different ways of interpreting the same thing and that's fine um, but what what have you found that's that's diverged that's uh, been controversial for you where where you've said well now these seem to be saying very different things they're not convergent in this place it's a good question I don't know that I have encountered. A lot of sticking points in terms of divergence i mean i think that the god question is super interesting and i definitely wouldn't say um yeah i don't know enough about the way that 
Vlad and Michael orient to their understanding of God or no, the divine no, to no really no the way I'm just yeah I'm just saying yeah I'm just saying so like so it may be that if I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with them and understand their point of view I might be like oh well yeah that's really different than yeah. what we're talking about when we're talking about kind of a, a Taoist orientation to sure. uh, unfolding and process and I imagine that there are both areas of consonance and dissonance with that I sure. certainly don't take the the like hardline perennialist stance that like everything is everything and every tradition is really saying the same thing. I think that that while there are commonalities that we find, mm. I don't think it's just to the diversity of different wisdom traditions or spiritual traditions to just say, everybody's saying the same thing. Sure. You know, like yeah. everybody's experience of this is the same. Mm. Uh, so we lose some, va we lose some value in doing that. Don't we? I, I think, think so. like, I, I mean, think when you do that, it just kind of belittles every, everything you're yeah. trying to be kind of conciliatory and say like, Hey man, give peace a chance. We could just all be good. But at the same time, you're like, okay, now we're losing what's beautiful and unique about each of these beliefs. And we, we don't, we're not really acknowledging what it is, the way that they're saying it and the way they might be coming at it. So. You know, and Bonnie Roy's take on that is that the more we like, you know, now there's 12 archetypes, but, you know, historically, every culture had their own set of archetypes, mm -hmm. just as an example, right? Or their own, you know, smaller units had their own language, their own relationships with place, totemic relationships, and that the more we um, smooth out those differences that on the one hand, sometimes, depending on the groups, might create friction, we're also decreasing diversity, which decreases the overall health and adaptability of the system. Right, on a global level, so that it's actually not super useful to try to make everything the same, to try to find one solution for the whole planet or like one belief system that everybody can agree on. It's like sure. it's it it human creativity is part of what actually uh, gives us the opportunities to solve or solve is maybe not the right word, but navigate through some of the more challenging aspects of what it's like to be a living being on this planet and so we don't really want to foreshorten that right sure. it's just like you don't we were talking about earlier when you were like you go too far down one rabbit hole right mm -hmm. and then you like you lose you lose the sight of the big picture you know if yeah. all i focus on is strikes i'm going to mm -hmm. actually end up at the end of the day maybe being not as effective with my strikes because i suddenly have taken them out of a particular type of context right it sure. is important if i'm not very good at that to spend mm -hmm. enough time focused on that particular skill that sure. I cultivate, you know, a capacity to do it, but mm -hmm. it still needs to be part of something that's broader and deeper. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, so I don't know that this, I, I don't know that I really can answer the question about like where things diverge because no, no, no. I, I think yeah. you just did in a sense, because I, I was looking, I was just curious as to whether there was any big divergences, not really on the question of where it's all going and to God right. and the down, things like that. Just that, that was just one that's, that sprung out to me in terms of yeah. like the endpoints, the you know the explicit endpoints that people talk about. But I was just wondering if there was you know in terms of treatment. I, I've even heard from Gabe sometimes. You know there are different kind of traditions of Chinese medicine, and then there some are. of them will tell you this is why this happens, and he he'd be like, wow, that's in direct contravention to everything that I've learned. So that's it's interesting to me that there are even kind of like factions within Chinese medicine that are like we don't quite agree on why that happens and where. Well, it is. and this is one of these funny things that like. I think it might be more useful to think of it as Chinese medicines with an S mm. um, and that Chinese medicines are then in a broader family of traditional East Asian medicines. Mm. And so, you know, China's 
really big if you think about the relationship to country. Sure. Depending on where you live, and it says this in the Neijing, like these people that lived in this section, they eat this food. And so they have these kinds of problems, but they don't have these kinds of problems. And the climate is like this and their clothes are like that. So, you know, they need this kind of medicine. These people mm. live over here, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they need this kind of intervention. Now, it's a little bit of an oversimplification. And I think that's that was known even at the time. But the point is that, like, you know, context, condition, yeah. relationality, it's these things are incredibly impactful on how how we express as yeah. as life forms and so that's part of it another part of it is that you know people like to argue um, <laughs> yeah. they like to be right and, about shit <laughs> and they do and also like you know again it, it, sort of in a, in a in a long view it's like well our understanding, hopefully, at least in certain systems, is going to have some level of cohesion and development. And as things change and as times change and as there are different kinds of medical concerns, since we're talking about medicine that arise, it's mm. going to cause me to maybe rethink some of my assumptions. Mm. And maybe in principle, things are operating at the same kind of general set of uh guidelines but in these kind of specific instantiations there's ways that things are different you know like so while you know from the perspective of chinese medicine like different people can be exposed to the same thing that we would recognize as a pathogen in a western biomedical context and have really different expressions of that we sure. can take the pandemic as a good example of that it didn't yeah. show up the same way in everybody and yeah, same interventions didn't work the same way in everybody. So yeah. Chinese medicine's answer to that is like, well, yeah, because you are, you know, what you come in with, right? Mm -hmm. There's a constitutional, so a genetic component. Mm -hmm. There's a gestational component. So like mm -hmm. you could have stuff happen for good and or for ill in the womb that affects the way that you are, are going to come into the world. Yeah. Then you have your environment, you have your choices, you have your diet, sure. you have the practices you do or don't do. You know, and all of these things are coming together. So somebody, you know, has really weak lungs mm. and the person standing next to them has a compromised liver and they mm. are exposed to the same particularly virulent pathogen and mm. it expresses in entirely different ways in their system. For us, that's not a cult. That's like yeah. if you look deeply enough at the individual and understand these bigger patterns and, you know, I, I don't profess to have the the ability to be able to do this all the time but like when when you get it you're like oh well of course it's expressing this way in this person at this time because what we know yeah. about them shows us the path for expression right that's, that's really interesting it's um gay by the conversation with again our mutual friend also yeah. a chinese medicine medical practitioner and um and he was talking about people's reactions like weird side effects that people had to the covid 19 vaccine right um and i had a very very odd reaction in which um nothing at all after the first one, right? And then after the second one, the next day I felt a bit of malaise. I was a little bit tired and lethargic. I just sat around watching Harry Potter movies with my kids. I'm like, yeah, I'm good for bugger all today. I might as well just relax, you know? And then the day afterwards, I was fine. I built like a massive garden bed. I trained twice, you know? <laughs> I did a bunch of stuff Monday night, did a bunch of private classes, digging things. Tuesday, went to class, ground fighting, wrestling, all that kind of stuff. Came back from class on Tuesday. So this is a full four or five days after I had the second vaccine shot, right? Um, and just came back and went, oh, I feel like dog shit. Just terrible, like immediately. Mm. And then went to bed at about 10 o'clock. Um, and then uh, maybe 
five in the morning and then just could not get any energy together. I was just feeling absolutely terrible. And I just kind of lumped through the next day. Hardly, you know, I just couldn't get my energy levels up. But the really interesting thing was, is that at the time I was wearing this continuous glucose monitor. Right? Mm. I was doing this levels thing because of somebody else I'd interviewed in a podcast who sent me the thing as a you know beta test. I was like, this will be fascinating. I'll right. find out my responses to foods. And to your point about individualized responses to foods, right? I found out that I respond terribly to oatmeal. Right. If I eat oatmeal, I have a massive glucose spike. Um, it goes insane. Like, so everything that's normally te- told to people as a general thing, like, oh, eat oatmeal because it has a slow release and you'll be, you'll be, I'm like, no, I've always felt terrible eating oatmeal. And this was vindication. Right? It just goes wallop. And the same with bananas. I eat bananas, like, whoop, it goes straight up. And, you know, and I could eat. I could have a pint of Guinness and a plate of nachos and it was less of a glucose spike. You know? and I, was, I was doing better. So I was like, maybe there's some adaptation. Maybe there's some maladaptive Irish microbiome in there. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. Maladaptive. Some definitely some anti-fragility in my, in my gut at some point. Yeah. But, um, but what was interesting about this was because I had this, I had an immediate biofeedback monitor going to my phone showing what was happening. And it showed that my blood glucose after that, on that day dropped to something like 40 milligrams per deciliter, like down to like diabetic. If you're diabetic, you should eat something. You're going into a coma level, right? Really bad. Went all the way down and it didn't come up. And ordinarily I do time restricted eating. I'll eat for like in a six or eight hour window from like noon till eight or something. Um, and that day, and so I wasn't eating and I just felt terrible. And, uh, and then, the next day I, I saw Gabe about it and he's just like, I would just, he goes, I don't know what's going on, but um, I would tell you, ditch the time restricted eating. Just eat, just eat if you need to eat some carbs, get it down. Yeah. And I started eating and I could watch, I could see myself eating and it going like, Weep, and it, and it would stay low. I couldn't mm. eat enough to keep my blood sugar like at a normal level. I was just metabolizing the crap out of everything. Um, so I was just, I think I was just manufacturing spike proteins by the trillions every yeah. second, just a very, very, very strong response to this thing. And it just wouldn't, right. I couldn't get enough into my system to keep it up. And then after about four days of that, um, I, it gradually eased off and Gabe gave me some potion that he normally uses to treat like adrenal dysfunction or something like that. He's just like, this might pick you up a little bit. I don't know. Um, and I, and I kind of bounced back from it. And the point that he made, which was really interesting, was that he saw two other people, right? And one of them was Pasquale, one of our other teachers, who became, he felt fine, but was completely unable to meditate as like a, a lifelong meditator. He lost his concentration to the point where he couldn't sit down. He felt like twitchy and weird and he couldn't bring singular focus. And he's been meditating for like 25 years and it's his thing. You know, it's what he does. He meditates for an hour and a half every morning and he couldn't do it. And then he saw somebody else who's like who lost all their strength. And he's like, it's, I, you know, this sounds absolutely ridiculous, but it seems to me that the, the side effects follow no discernible pattern that you can track through normal Western me- medical etymology. But it seems to get you in the place where you're most proud. Because mm. you know, it got Pasquale in the concentration. It made mm-hmm. you feel like you were too weak to go about your business. You know, it made this other person. It's like, it's very, very interesting. It gets you like uh, at the place where you think you're strongest, but you have like a, do you know what I mean? A chink, like it takes well, that away a, for a little while. Here's a and he's like, I, I've, he goes, I've got nothing to back that up. I've got, I've got no chain of like interaction, but he goes, it's very interesting to see like a bunch of people going through this. And I thought that was very interesting from a, you know, looking at things from a relational perspective. Sure. So, but the hmm. other thing that's interesting about that too, is that from a Chinese medical and even a a sort of like internal cultivation perspective so in the west we like to think that strong is good Mm -hmm. and weak is bad Mm -hmm. but in this context what's good is harmony Mm -hmm. which is not too strong not too weak right it's a middle way so that it has the capacity to move 
mm. with changes, right? So this is more this kind of Taoist idea, right? Where like water is often used as one of the primary metaphors because sure. it's soft, but it can, you know, carve rock. It's full, it's full in systema parlance. It's like yeah. strong because it's full, not because it's rigid. Right. And, and mm. so... And bamboo would be another classic example, right? That it's mm. like, it has structure, but it can move, Bend. right? Without mm. breaking. So if we're proud in a place, I would inquire as to whether or not that might actually mean that we're strong. Mm. So we're slightly excess, mm. right? And so then this excess is a way of uh, obstructing flow. And so mm. I'm just totally riffing here, but right, so like, sure. If we're taking this metaphor that Gabe and you are saying that, like, okay, I can't prove this, but it seems to hit people in the pride. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, which, you know, like pride here, but like, it's something that I've cultivated a lot, this particular thing. Maybe, yeah. again, back to our, like, if I focus too much on one thing, I can kind of like get out of relational harmony. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm leaning a little too much into my concentration or my, you know, not eating oatmeal or whatever it is, my time restricted <laughs> eating. Yeah. And so then this thing has a way of like, it addressing the balance of it. Well, or just like because I'm I'm strong to the point of it being slightly problematic, mm. I can be pretty skillful until you introduce this crazy novel stimulus into the system. And then it's like it's the place that's so strong that ends up becoming the obstruction that actually breaks a little bit in this moment. Interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to ask you about that after it's kind of stuck in my head. I thought it was was an interesting way of looking at it. But again, that's not something that you get. You know, if you right right now, if you went to a doctor with a series of COVID, you know, long COVID symptoms, which some people have had, or like side effects of the vaccine, they're like, Yeah, you'll be fine. Like, or we don't know. We haven't done the tests. It's like, well, that's fine, unless you're trying to live with it and get a job. Do you know what I mean? So again, it's like so then that's when people will tend to turn towards alternative medicine because Western medical um, knowledge, great as it is, and as wonderful as that, as and to be clear, I'm not belittling it. Like Tyson likes or to say, you shake it all up in the bucket and you look in the bottom, it's still in there, right? All right. science and medicine, everything. I'm yeah, not, totally. you know, my kids need a blood transfusion, they're going to get one. They need antibiotics, right. they're going to get one. You know, my, right. you know, I got vaccinated. If I get hit by a thing. car for the love of God, call an ambulance. Like, yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah, don't don't call a crystal healer. You know, right. <laughs> I'm going to need a tracheotomy, not not right. some amethyst. You know, but it's, <laughs> but you know, it's um. But at the same time, it's like if you, it's some uh, situations and some contexts when you go to somebody and you've got nothing at all, then you'll be like, okay, well, I will take somebody's best educated guess at this, you know, like when when there's other things that are wrong. And sometimes those educated guesses and those outlier situations can lead you to a truth that was excluded by the right. by the boundary set that you created with the with the problem right. in the first place right so yep. if everything is looked it's a little bit like with uh, you know ulcers they used to say that stomach ulcers were caused sure, by stress, stress. All the time. yeah blah blah and then they're like oh actually it's a lot more specific most of the time it's heliobacter pylori it's one specific right. bacterium and why is that getting in there and it and it you know it begs a whole bunch of other questions about immunity that were never even looked at sure. until they found <laughs> you know that, that was that was the case but for the longest time dismissed you know it's just like meh stress be less stressed and it will go away it's like no it won't you know? right. <laughs> no but or, it's interesting or, too how then a little bit stress has gotten taken out of the ulcer equation but it's like well but we do know now more about how sure. stress globally impacts the system so you yeah. could make the case that the reason you know probably you lots to of us are exposed to helio um, factor and and why do some of us get it in such a way that it generates an ulcer and i would say well that's where stress plays a role sure right? you exactly. are more likely to have less capacity to ward off various kinds of, you know, 
potentially adverse stimuli if you're not getting enough sleep, if your diet sucks, if you're in a hostile environment, right? You, you're not going to be as healthy fundamentally. So then, you know, again, we get back into the like, well, and then maybe because of these other factors we talked about a few minutes ago, maybe it's my stomach rather than my lungs or my liver where I tend to have a weak link. So then for me, I'm more likely to then have this kind of stomach problem arise, right? Mm. Whereas for somebody else might happen in a different aspect of the system. Mm. Um, You know, so we like to jokingly say that Chinese medicine is the original personalized medicine. Sure. Well, I mean, Which, again, that's happening anyway, right? It is. I mean, yeah. the more that we learn, I mean, after the genome project, everybody was like, as soon as we learn to read this thing, we're going to have directed medicines for everybody. And they're like, ah, crap, this thing's a lot harder to read than we thought. Now we've got right. like an entire, you know, DVD player manual written in Tagalog, and I have no idea how to read it. You know, it's, like, it's, like, it's literally like that, you know, that they're just passing their way through. But now we have this capacity to edit genes and to change things on a, you know, a deep level like that. And it's like, we'd better figure out what these relationships are before we start just knocking out entire pieces, right? And yeah. again, that's not to say that if you've got a child that's suffering with lymphoma and there's no other cure, and then somebody comes up with a cure for it that involves gene editing, I would be like, away you go, you know, like right. definitely, right? But um, but we do want to know in the long term before we start running too fast down this down this path, you know, just that, that there's that we're looking as much as possible in the wider context of what else it's, at least what else it's doing in the genome. Like, right. like, and even beyond that, into the transcriptome, the proteome, and the microbiome, and things like that. You know, we need to know as much as possible. So, I, I would argue that the the time now for people are just translating research as hard as they can. They're like, let's just mine everything and produce drugs and produce treatments and blah 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 blah. And I think now the time is most important for basic research, like understanding mm-hmm. things and pulling in as much as we can from you know, alternative medicine from alternative ways of knowing things from, from traditional and indigenous knowledge. I think the time is, is, is actually critical right now. We need to do that on so many levels, not just for medicine, but for like, you know, if, if we come up with some mitigation process for climate change, you know, it's cloud seeding or just like creating massive carbon sinks or something like that. It's like, we can't assume that if we come up with one technological cure for that, that it's not going to have some sort of knock-on effect, because that's usually what happens, right? If we try, yeah, I mean, I think we have to some new pest, or we kill all the, the mosquitoes, to, you know, we to wipe out malaria. Or so, to then we like we kill all the bats, and then the bats, yeah. gonna, and you don't know what's going to happen. You know, so we have to every single time we've tried to really mess with a with a, a complex ecosystem, and these things are all ecosystems. The body is one, you know, the, the climate is another one. Do you know what I mean? The biosphere in different ways. Um, then we have to every time we've messed with it in a big way we've created other problems sometimes which are worse than the problem that we we tried to surmount right? right so we need to understand these connections way more than we need to understand things in isolation and there's a tension there because of course you have to you know in order to keep rigor you can't just be like let's just keep looking at the big picture and not really study anything in any depth right you have to you just have to balance the breadth for the for the depth i think in the way that you're doing things but i think for too long it's been this way Yep. And now there is a push towards interdisciplinary science, multidisciplinary yep. science, which is great. I think it's very, very good. But I think it could get even wider, you know, and and, and people working in the in the field of, you know, of of meta thinking and, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about thinking, including mm-hmm. yourself. Right? I, I think it's critically important right now. And people like Tyson, you know, just, yep. you know, just like what can we learn from just different perspectives that really might feed into this and, and lead us to a closer and and more accurate truth about what it is that we think we know. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, um, the process and the practice of being able to acknowledge that there are 
multiple, like a multiplicity of ways of knowing that have their own validity. Mm -hmm. um, and that if we really want to talk about interdisciplinary work, that bringing in these different ways of knowing, some of which might not be considered scientific at all, hmm. into um, discourse, into dialogue, into relationship with each other. It's hmm. As far as I'm concerned, like this is the real way forward, right? Like, sure. so it's not just not focusing on, you know, too much on the, the particle or the number, quantitatively speaking, but it's also like, what happens when we look at this from a different, an entirely different system of understanding the world? You know, how do we start to, does that illuminate ways that there are things within this other knowledge set, right, which mm -hmm. still can have its own coherent rules, right? I'm not saying science should be like this, but what mm -hmm. happens when we look at science from this lens? Sure. We look at, because we do a lot of looking at all the other lenses from science as if it were mm -hmm. the truth. Sure. And so what happens when we turn that gaze back and see if it helps us understand more of these places where we want to shift how we're orienting to doing experimentation and research because like uh, and to be fair that's happened many times even with totally, science, right absolutely. and arguably most of the big scientific jumps and revolutions that have come have happened as a result of people being like okay what if everything was made of atoms what if that was the basis of things right not these other things or hey wait a minute what if it wasn't just all mechanical what if there was yeah. some quantum effect going on there what if everything is relative like rel relativity you know it's not not just speed of light and specific things but what if everything is happening in relation to everything else in terms of space time you know i mean these are massive ideas that have revolutionized our world and changed the way that we interact with each we're talking to each other now because somebody had these re realizations right? right but it's um so we can't pretend like science happens in this stepwise totally. standing on the shoulders of giants kind of myth like we had established knowledge and we built upon that and a bit more and blah 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 blah. Like, no, that's not what happened. Sure, a good amount of that happens. You puzzle away and, and you then... build them knowledge. Yeah, and then somebody goes, What if we just smash it and look at it from this side? And then like, right. oh well, all of that was true within this set, but now right. we have things near black holes or very tiny right. things. And now we have to rethink the way we're thinking about it. And that's not to say that you can't use this stuff. It just means right. that you're placing it in a different context and you're learning to use it better, right? right? And I think if more under people if more people understood that's what science is and did, I think we'll be right. better. But I think for the longest time there was just a push for like you need to appreciate science, appreciate what it's done for right. you. Appreciate it, you know, it's like, like the yard science. Yeah, well, that, I believe yeah. in science, and I'm like, well, yeah. okay, but what does that actually mean, right? You believe yeah. in the process of the scientific method, sure. Yeah. You believe in, you know, information that someone says is scientific. Like yeah. it's a really interesting well, question. It's a reaction to something, isn't it? So and it it's is. interesting, you know, that even that little statement that you made about, you know, you feel that it's really important to acknowledge other ways of knowing. Right? I remember a time, and it doesn't seem that long ago, I didn't seem that old, you know, where it was going to be, when literally I was coming out of a, you know, I'd come out of an undergraduate degree in genetics and immunology. I knew all kinds of science, right? Mm -hmm. Went to Japan, came back again, was doing a master's degree, and I'm studying this, the philosophy and the sociology of scientific knowledge for the first time. You never had to do it in the entire career as a scientist i could have gone to done two phds researched won a nobel prize and still not know anything about the way of knowing that i was using right really seriously most people don't um and when i was forced to study i remember that, that phrase coming through being like it's you have to understand that science is one way of knowing and i remember this deep rising snake on the inside being gone like bollocks you know like literally just there in my mind i was just like i'm listening to this thing but mm, just in immediate smuggery mm -hmm. like no it's the way of knowing and everything else that came before and everything that's adjacent to it is just wrong to different degrees right 
Like, yeah, literally, that was uh, that's really what happened, that, and that's what the voice inside my head was saying for the longest time. I would not consider it, and I, you know, I went through the process and I learned about it and I studied it, and I became a bit more open once I learned some of the pitfalls and especially the the dead ends that science mm-hmm. has gone to and the ways that people have defended theories that were just blatantly wrong and passed off well and. Right problems with the citation structure and the way that people establish proof and authority. And again, none of this negates science. I'm just right. saying that it's it's not what people think it is. It's it, it's a much wider because it's almost like you could say there are sciences in the same mm-hmm. way Chinese totally. medicines. You know, it's like yeah. it, this works over here for quantum mechanicists and this works over here for people right. working in biotechnology. You know, it's like it's um that there are very, very different and diverse practices within it and they don't quite align a lot of the time. They're right. united by the idea of the scientific theory, but even that is not practiced in the way right. that it's the it's exactly the way that it says on the tin. There are plenty of things that can't be you can't make an experiment or a hypothesis form yet, or you can't sure. test it. You know, thinking about what's before the Big Bang or interdimensional right. theory or string theory, you can't make an experiment that will prove that. And yet these are people have PhDs and win prizes for thinking about these things with no proof. Right. And you're like, how is that any different from thinking about dream time and the sky world? And, you know, it's like in a, in a very real sense, it's not, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just reinforced by mathematics, which right. we assume to be true in a different way. So it's like, and science is like, you know, done by humans and they have their emotional experiences. They have their familial context. They have yeah. who's funding it. Right. I mean, not that these things are revolutionary, yeah. but they're also part of this. It's like we, we, the broader we could really, open our view to acknowledge all of the different ways yeah. that these factors influence what mm-hmm. it means to be a human in relationship to other humans, yeah. thinking and experiencing reality, mm-hmm. the universe, right? I think the more honest we get, actually, right? Mm-hmm. When we recognize these kinds of like, wow, it's really complex. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, yes, it really is. And so yeah. it would probably behoove us to have less certainty yeah. Um, and uh, less That's of a grip it. on a deterministic orientation yeah. to what can be known, yeah. which is not to say that there's, you know, no truth anywhere and it's all entirely relative. But at the same time, it, it's also not entirely verifiable and objective. So sure. getting yeah. comfortable with the fact that it is on this continuum and that we can say, well, this thing we're pretty sure about yeah. this thing, actually, that's actually very adjacent to it. We really don't have any idea. Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, look at what's happened in neuroscience in the past 20 years. Yeah. Right. It's like it's an that field is, yeah. you know, entirely different points of view, not to go down this rabbit hole, but like entirely sure. different points of view on how, you know, the brain works, how mind it arises, like what is cognition, all these things like. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure in another 20 years, there's going to be a more lot answers, more questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So just a yeah. fascinating, fascinating yeah. field of inquiry. Awesome. Well, I think we've successfully failed to bring it all the way back to the beginning in a coherent yes. and concrete way, but I think that's as good a place as any to <laughs> round things off. No, this is this was great, man. It's 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 just good to have um to be able to you know, in a way this conversation is 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 what we're asking people or wanting people to do, right? It's to take mm-hmm. the set of things which you consider to be isolated and to try and situate them within a wider context and say, yeah. what does that even mean? And even if you don't come down to like some sub series of categories and things that reveal a deeper truth, and you're like, oh, I knew it. After having talked to Taryn, now I have a deeper experience of the world and the universe, and I've I've enlightened myself. And actually, but maybe what happens, just like when you learn something in Systema, somebody shows you something, is that six months down the line, you'll be doing something else entirely. 
and a penny will drop because of yeah. a conversation that you had with Vladimir or you had a conversation, you, had, you know, somebody else. And you'll be like, oh, that's what that was. Nah. And you, you understand the new truth because you finally found the context in which that's useful. Do you know right. what I mean? It's like in, in a very real way, we can talk about these things <laughs> ad infinitum, right? Um, mm-hmm. But we don't remember them and we don't believe them and we don't apply them until we meet a situation in which we're forced to make use of them. Do you know what I mean? Like, like some people don't start to explore any aspect of spirituality until somebody they know dies, right? right. When somebody they know dies, they're like, I wonder what this all means, what's going on? Up until that point, they're, they're, they're happy just to survive, watch Netflix, yeah. eat food, go to work, get paid, you know? <laughs> and then somebody dies and they're like, whoa, this could all stop. And this could all stop at any time. So what does it even mean? Where do we go? What's going on? You know, and right. other people never, never stop to think about what it means to be male or female, what it means to be gay, what it means right. to be all these things until they know somebody who's right. going through a problem with that. And then, or, or they know somebody who has a disability or they have a child with a problem. And then they're like, wow, now I'm forced to confront this and what I think about it. It's yeah. amazing how far you can go through life without having to think about things too deeply. <laughs> if you sure. really try, it's, you, know, you don't even have to try that hard. And, and the environment is designed almost to pull us away from the kind of focus we need to, yeah. to do that you know it's like it's just drip feeding crap all the times yep. you could happily just drift through life and you might as well not have consciousness because you right. could just exist and go through all the motions like a well-fed robot totally yeah. stimulus so, response you, you could easily do that with no yep. problem and even some of the neuroscientists are like you don't need consciousness to do to live in modern america you know there's it's still a mystery as to why you'd need to be conscious of the things that your brain is doing like you yeah, can interact I mean, with people and you know it's, you know, it's like about the fact that most human behavior is just mechanical it's like something Something happens, yeah. something else happens. There's not any actual, you know, you're not awake in that. It's kind yeah. of like being a robot. But yeah. the thing that I want to bring in just before we end is that on the one hand, you know, certainly we can talk about these things and talk about them and talk about them and talk about them. Mm-hmm. And totally when experience and context call them forth, it, there's a deepening mm-hmm. of understanding or maybe like the first moment of understanding but the other piece too that i think is really important right is the increase of the relational context right Mm -hmm. and as tyson likes to talk about a lot that you know as we're having this yarn and we're talking about these different you know ways of making connections we're also in some way that you know is not necessarily measurable or like part of anything that fits into (laughs) any of the dynamics necessarily we've been talking about we're strengthening this kind of us two um, bridge where there's a certain way that the the knowledge that we're exploring and the wisdom that might be growing out of this mm. is somehow you know that's actually both what is strengthened and what is the bridge is composed of sure. right and so that in and of itself has this kind of beauty and um utility that i sure. i also just kind of want to like note and totally. give it's an act of creation as well it's an act of Absolutely. creation right so it's it's yeah. never you with your whole sum of experiences and me with mine the things that we're saying we might be repeating some things that other people have said at different contexts but the way in which we're framing this and the and the and the things that we're drawing together the relationships we're drawing has never been done before in the history of the universe right exactly. unless there's a parallel one where there's another tower and another gland and you know which and is a little bit different. parallel universe so it'd still be slightly different yeah in that in that universe i've got slightly more hair than you on the top and you've yeah. got the goatee and stuff that's how it works <laughs> Maybe we'll meet those guys one day. The CERN Maybe guys so. get themselves together. <laughs> well, this has been great, man. Thanks so much for making the time. And, uh, yeah, I hope man. You, thank you. I hope people enjoy the ride when they listen to yeah, this. Yeah, I've had a blast. <laughs> cool. Take it easy. Thanks for listening. 
If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Sistema, please visit us online at www.ncsistema.com.